0: It's June, and that means college football recruiting is in full swing. Lots of recruits are taking their official visits. Lots of recruits are looking to make their decision at some point over the summer. We need some help unpacking that and people who are thinking about the Tar Heels. Who better to join us than John Garcia Jr. to help unpack several of those players who have come on official visits? All of that on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On
1: Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey there, it's June 2nd, 2022. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, isaac shade beat writer for sports illustrated's all tar heels website and i want to thank you for making locked on tar heels your first listen or your first watch every single day please don't forget that we are free and available anywhere you get your podcast so make sure to go and subscribe today if you're watching on youtube subscribe and go ahead and smash that like button leave a comment as we talk about these recruits and who you might like to see a Tar Heel. Love to have any of that interaction with you so we can banter back and forth. Well, as I said, this is going to be uh, the second part of talking about a group of recruits who took their official visits back on May 20th. Let's get right into it with John Garcia, Jr. Here we are on Thursday's episode of Locked on Tar Heels, joined as we are just about every week now by John Garcia, Jr. This man is always bringing all the great intel on football recruiting which is what he does for Sports Illustrated and uh, as we talked about last week if you tuned in with us John and I were just working our way through this host of official visits back from May 20th we unpacked three of them last week we're going to do another three today and so John it's great to have you as always man thanks for being here
1: yeah always a pleasure Isaac it's uh it's a busy time of year I think May and June is June especially now that we're here uh it's it's going to be rapid fire for a lot of these schools a lot of official visits coming up so important to kind of put that in perspective so happy to yes
0: yeah man that's great and and what what for those who are unaware why is it that it becomes rapid fire this time of year
1: yeah i think a lot of programs have wanted their top recruits to visit in june because there's not a lot going on right uh it's, it's just college camp season everyone is still on campus from a football department standpoint and, and you're hosting all these hundreds of kids in camps and then in between you're hosting official visitors. So you can give more time to those recruits. You can make more of a push or show more influence ahead of some of these decisions. And then on, on the recruiting side, yeah, these kids want to make decisions in the summer. They, they want to be committed for the most part before their senior season begins. Uh, and, and those visits just in terms of the timeline, make the most sense because you can't take them in july so the first three weeks of june in particular become huge on the official visit front and and we see a lot of programs coast to coast building huge weekends out of out of some of these june weekends uh, because of that so it's it's going to be pretty hot and heavy a lot of uh, new offers commitments maybe some decommitments across the country so june will be a bit busier than (laughs) usual
0: create it's it's interesting for people to shift that mindset to think from from your vantage point in the recruiting world that while this is off season for a lot of people this is go time uh for you in a lot of ways um and so you, you mentioned a lot of these guys who want to make those decisions before their senior year as as you talk to recruits and their families why is that
1: well it, it really is serving one of two purposes one the recruit just wants to focus on high school ball. You know, maybe he's overwhelmed. If, if he's been a name for quite a few years, he's been hearing some of this same stuff from recruiters forever, and it, it starts to blur together. There's a fatigue that comes with taking so many visits. So I think in one end, it's just, hey, let me focus on my sport and my guys for my senior year and be done with that part of it. They utilize the offseason to kind of stack it up on their plate and get a decision in so they can make that that shift and that transition and then on the other side of it from a business perspective you got to claim a spot uh i think you know we signing days it was always this kind of unofficial holiday and it's still a big deal but really it's more about you know kids that are committing signing with those schools more so than kids organically making decisions on that day in December or February, because spots are more limited than they've ever been. So there is a sense of, I need to claim a spot at my position. You know, you think of of any team, maybe they've got a commitment or two at one position, there might only be one spot left. And you know, because you have the internet and you you hear things, (laughs) you see, okay, they're recruiting five guys at my position, including me, there's probably one spot left. I need to think about jumping in and claiming that spot so the summer has become kind of the that time of year the unofficial time of year where you you need to claim a spot because it's only the very top layer isaac of recruit who has the freedom to make a decision whenever he wants and take his time you know arch manning doesn't have to commit right now (laughs) because he'll have a spot at georgia or alabama or texas or wherever whenever he wants it but for the majority of of even power five recruits there is a window where that green light you know could start to fade Uh, and usually the summer is when not only you're taking the most visits because you're out of school but also because you're making these decisions ahead of claiming one of these spots so june and july have become just that time of year where a lot of decisions get made for personal reasons or or for business reasons yeah so the, the, this crop that we talked about last week
0: and the guys we're going to talk about today, they're, they're in the early end of that, visiting back on, on May 20th a couple weekends ago. Put, put your coach's hat on for just a second, if you will, John. Would you rather be the, the first team in the door um, in, in terms of official visits? Do, do you want to be the first ones there or would you prefer to, to hit cleanup and get to make the, the closing argument at the end of the day?
1: to me it depends on how many visits the kids are going to take right every kid is allotted five official visits now most of them try to take five but some of them only take two or three so if if it's if it's a kid who i know is taking all five visits let me hit lead off let me get that first visit let me set the bar and create the impression that will now be the tool that is always referred back to right well let's compare it to this visit because this was the first one and we got this Mm. on the trip um because it it, you get to official visits three four and five in a short span and and some kids are going to take all five in june which is crazy to me (sighs) it starts to blur together for for some of these recruits fatigue sets in even even as you're wined and dined in all of these places it starts to to get a little bit old. I mean, you you know, when you go on a nice vacation, you know, you're a little tired, uh, uh, the middle of that, right? You're kind of like, am I just relaxing or am I really tired? Imagine being a teenager and you're flying all around the country and you're getting these lavish meals and these lavish hotels every single time. It could start to create some fatigue there. Now that's not to say that I wouldn't go do that tomorrow if I could. <laughs> but I do think that there is something to say about that first trip, that first impression, that first visit. Um, but if, if the kid's on the other side of that and he's only taken a couple trips, you probably want to be towards the end of it because it could theoretically be closer to his decision date. Uh, and I think that's obviously advantageous because you're the final in-person impression. You're giving the final, hey, I know you're committing soon. I just want you to consider this before you go ahead and make this really important life decision. Uh, I do think that there is some credence to that last visit. Those are the two best spots, there's no doubt, Uh, but I I lean more towards the first spot over time compared to before, five years ago, I was like the last visit, the last visit, always the last visit. It's not really the case anymore. And And also because with technology and resources now, some of these kids can make unofficial visits after they take official visits. So, you know, it lessens the importance of, of being last uh, in that regard as well. Interesting. Interesting,
0: yeah, I, I love that thought that you're talking about there of like, when you're first, you get to set the foundation and everything else for good or for bad is compared to what you as a school have to offer.
1: Yeah, 100%, I mean, cause look, we're, you know, we're older and we've, we've been through a lot of these life decisions, but you know, these are teenagers, right? So it's naturally, you're gonna compare back to that that first full forty eight hour impression, um, and your family was there, your coaches are there, whoever you choose to bring there, um, you know that first one always has the most people. I, I also have come to learn, right? Mm. So if you're taking five official visits in five straight weekends, not everybody can make all those trips, right? Mom and dad, and mentor, and coach, or whoever you're bringing, you know they're going to have some obligations in some of those weekends, most likely. So usually when you start to set up the trips though you begin with hey what's everyone's availability oh, okay let's do it may 20th um, as opposed to those second third and fourth visits where the kid is available but not necessarily those close to him and sometimes something that small could create the difference between well we had this collective impression versus a more individual impression at other schools down the line so all these things factor in because you know when when these kids are making decisions, it's never just them. There's always no. somebody around them. You know, I was told when I first got in this business, talk to the kid, but also find out who's the decision maker in the family or in his circle. Right? It could be mom, it could be a coach, it could be dad, it could be uncle, mentor, whatever it is. Find out who has that that critical influence for, for the kid and build a relationship with them. So if I'm told to do that from a reporter standpoint, imagine what these college coaches are doing for those people. So now if one of those isn't available for an official visit, it does hurt that program. There's, there's really no other way to look at it. Yeah,
0: man, that's super interesting. And here's, I think the biggest takeaway, just don't be in the middle of the visits. You want (laughs) to at least be one of the bookends is to be darn sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to say no to an official visit if a kid wants to take it and he's high yeah. on your board because you know programs only get a finite amount of official visitors to host as well. So sometimes you got to bite the bullet a little bit and just sort of say, "Hey, we're we believe in and what we're selling here, and, and even though it's in the middle, it'll be good enough." But but yeah, you know, sometimes that's that's certainly not the best position to be in. There's no doubt. <laughs>
0: that's great well we are going to get to talking about some of these recruits that came to Chapel Hill on May 20th starting with the guy that's in John's very own backyard and who is it we're going to talk about him in just a second but first let me tell you about Built Bar we've been asking and Built delivered Built Granola Bars are here they come in three unbelievable flavors let me give them to you chocolate peanut butter yes chocolate coconut I'm not a coconut fan, but I know a lot of people who are and love it, and white chocolate berry. Yes, give me those bookends and I'll leave the chocolate coconut for you to eat. (laughs) Wanna try all three of them? You can get a a mixed box of that at Built.com right now. These are so different from the Built Bars and the Built Puffs. Built Granola Bars are loaded with, what do you know, granola. Perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. But just like bars and puffs, these guys are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate. Clocking in at 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and just four grams of sugar, built granola bars will change your granola bar world. Built has cracked this code to getting you better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch, take on the road, or even eat as a snack. And as always, they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, look no further. Head to built.com right now and get you some built granola bars. Don't miss out. And while you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. I have an important favor to ask you also. Lockedon has put together a listener survey so that we can learn more about what listeners and viewers like you want to hear or see to make your Locked On experience even better. So this is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about your Locked On podcasts. So go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It's not gonna take you very long and even better, Everyone that completes the survey is going to be entered for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. So, to take our audience survey, once again, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thank you so much for your help. We're joined today on Locked on Tar Heels by Mr. John Garcia Jr. And we're talking about uh, some prospects who came on official visits to North Carolina over the weekend of May 20th. We unpacked three of them last week. We're doing a new three today. We started on the defensive side of the ball, so let's stay there. And as I said, in John's own backyard, a kid from Tampa, Florida, linebacker Lewis Carter.
1: Yeah, just a, a do it all athlete coming out of Tampa Catholic. Uh, a kid where if you watch him, you know, one part of the season against a certain team, he'll play one position. And you go watch him play another team, and he's playing another position. Yeah, he's that athletic and versatile. Uh, for the Crusaders, there uh, coached by former Auburn wide receiver Jarris McIntyre, by the way. Uh, mm. But look, Carter's Carter's his guy. That's that's his do everything player, running back, receiver. He's played quarterback, linebacker, safety, corner. He's done everything but play on the line on both sides of the football, uh, and he's he's got good size, six one or so, 210, 215 pounds. But he runs like he's much smaller, Isaac, mm. and that, that's what makes him. Sort of special. He was a member of of the team's four by four hundred meter relay that Love went that. to states. Uh, you don't see a lot of linebackers on those <laughs> those teams, especially in the state of Florida, where you know you expect a little bit more speed. Uh, so he's become this interesting recruit that people have jumped in and out on from right. a, from a program perspective over the last couple of years. You know, early on his offer list went crazy when he was a sophomore it slowed down a little bit because so many at schools have jumped in. And now there's like a new wave of programs that are on him, including North Carolina. I think Oklahoma just offered him last week as well. So he's getting kind of like a resurge in, in, in recruiting attention. So I think it was really good for North Carolina to get an official visit out of him. The first mm-hmm. one, uh, because he's one that if he does have a little bit more of an uptick in his own recruiting process, those spots are gonna be very coveted. And now there's only four schools that can can match UNC with with an official visit uh, just in in terms of logistics. So I do think he's interesting on a lot of fronts. Uh, He's a versatile player uh, at linebacker. Again, he's got safety and corner experience. Uh, He's a run and hit guy. He can play in coverage. Uh, He's a team captain kind of guy as well. I mean, there's just a lot to like uh, about a Lewis Carter. Uh, He's not, Physically, you know, he's not the 6'4", 230 kind of edge rusher, pass rusher type. But despite that lack of size, you know, he can make up for it with a explosion and some pop. Uh, I think the first time I ever saw him play, uh, he took a kickoff back for a touchdown, and then on the <laughs> on the next kickoff, he made the tackle because he's on the kickoff team. So this is a very interesting, just kind of do it all player. So as you can tell, I'm a big fan of Lewis Carter.
0: Yeah, man, and, and you love to hear that, and and. How encouraging! Because of that versatility, when, when you talk about dropping a linebacker into coverage, he's a guy that is going to be able to have a instincts, probably. I'm guessing from what you're saying, and B just have a better uh, a feel and um, athleticism to keep up with receivers. A- a- am I right on that?
1: Yeah, 100. You know, as if you're going to project that linebacker in this day and age, you have to do something on third down. Uh, you know, you can't just sit there at the second level. You need to either cover a guy or rush the passer. And, and certainly Carter uh, is a good coverage player. Uh, he can play man coverage against, you know, probably a running back or a tight end, maybe even a slot receiver, depending mm-hmm. on, on the opponent. Uh, and he can certainly, from like a zone coverage perspective, help you underneath, uh, you know, almost as a, a box safety more so than a linebacker. So, yeah, he's he's got a lot of third down friendliness within his game. I think the challenge for him is gonna be first and second down supporting the run at, at 210 or whatever he's weighing. You know, how, how does that wear on a kid like that through, you know, through an entire season? But, you know, at that same time, you know, the game has changed, right? It's a wider game. It's a more space friendly game. And, and he fits right into that mold from, from height and weight and athleticism perspective. But yeah, he's definitely not, you know, an old school linebacker in that sense. And he can help you out in in coverage on third down. for
0: sure. Does it seem like in, in order to make up for some of that uh, first and second down run
1: help deficiency, does his frame you think support adding on some more bulk? Yeah, I think, I think some, you know, he, he won't be, he'll never be 250 in my mind. uh, But you know, not a lot of linebackers are, are in that mold. I mean, I look at, I mean, look at Surratt, right? At at North Carolina, a guy who who was a quarterback and then moves over to defense, uh, and all of a sudden is 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 this explosive volume tackler. Now he was he wasn't playing at two hundred and fifty pounds no. either. So I think no. if you look at the new age modern linebacker. You're more in that two twenty five, two thirty range, and I do think that Carter can eventually get there at the collegiate level obviously still has a year of of high school football left (laughs) down here in Tampa uh, as well but you know he's going to be playing all over the field so I don't think he'll gain that weight during the season it'll have to be after yeah
0: as a college coach I mean it's so rare uh, to have a player at that level actually playing multiple positions. There was the kid from UCLA a couple years ago. I can't think of his name right now. Miles but. Jack. Yep. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, once he gets to wherever he goes in college, he's probably going to slot in solely at linebacker. Maybe if he, he can't get in right away, play on special teams or something. But at, like, if I'm Mac Brown, do I like seeing that at the high school level, or do I prefer him to be specializing as a linebacker in high school?
1: No, you, you'd like to see all the cross-training positionally because it just – it has you better prepared for the modern asks of of the position right so if you're a good running back and you play linebacker in college well you certainly understand what you're competing against right you can see those holes opening up the vision uh the reaction time to fill the hole as a linebacker all that stuff does translate and if you've played some you know receiver type positions like he has and now when you're combating that in coverage you have an understanding of okay when he runs a dig route, he needs to get to this depth. So now that helps me in my drop when I make it on the defensive side of the ball. So there's there's an understanding of of the game that is expansive with a guy like Lewis Carter relative to a guy who's been a linebacker for four years and that's kind of all he's done. Yeah. You know, you'd rather have the cross trainer because not only mentally does it help you out because you've played some offense, but I think physically your your body is more inclined. To playing laterally or or going backwards and getting into a backpedal relative to a a downhill style that most linebackers are, you know, probably overdue at at the high school level, so I do think that you can do a little bit more athletically and certainly mentally when you cross train and, and that's one of the advantages of recruiting a guy like Carter. Yeah, that's great.
0: And and one last note on him, and, and we'll move along. As you said, he is a team captain type guy, and, and Mac Brown has raved about this year's incoming class who has double-digit team captains. And so we know that that's something Mac Brown cares a lot about because he wants leaders, he wants competitors, and guys that are going to help this team win. And so I know that that's somebody he'll want to pursue in a big way. One of Carolina's issues this past season was keeping Sam Howell upright, so how's Carolina gonna do that going forward? Well, we've got two offensive line prospects to talk about in just a second. But first, here's a couple ads for you. All right, we're here with John Garcia Jr. Today on Locked on Tar Heels, talking college football recruiting. We got two offensive linemen who are part of this May 20th official visiting class. Um, one guy from Maryland, Alua Tosin Babalade. Yeah, that's right, I said it. And then from Charleston, West Virginia, Leith Gannam. And so let's start uh with our, our Maryland guy, Mr. Tosin Babalade.
1: Massive human being, um, <laughs> great massive name yeah. too, uh coming out of Dematha Catholic, you know, really one of the best schools uh on the Eastern Seaboard right. uh there in DC, just uh they're known for production at, at basically every football position uh, and even basketball that there yeah. is. Yeah. Um anywhere. So, you know, you, you know, you're getting a good, a well-coached kid uh, up front, a massive offensive tackle. Uh, I think he's like six, seven. uh, The last time I saw his listing, just a massive human being. Uh, Carolina gets the first official visit here. I think that's a good position to be in. As we talked about earlier, he will take a few others. It looks like Rutgers, South Carolina are starting to ramp up uh, their communication with him Uh, and other schools are, curious about him ohio state (laughs) clemson keeping tabs on him i don't know how much they're pushing but that certainly could affect carolina's standing as as time goes forward here but obviously an intriguing uh massive athlete on the offensive line uh but yeah carolina getting the first visit i thought was was really clutch here in particular because toson wants to commit before the season, like we talked about a lot of yeah. these kids. Yeah. He was even talking about June, maybe, or July. Uh, even if it gets pushed to August, I think taking an official visit, you know, first to Carolina is a good uh, table setter for him and presents something different, I think, than, than some of the other options, you know, you know. Rutgers feels like they're more in transition uh, than UNC. South Carolina's going into year two under shane beamer still a, a lot of, of green grass ahead of them <laughs> in terms of moving up the, the sec chart. so he's a kid who's looking all over from a conference perspective uh and even geographically you know a pretty variant uh in terms of the schools he's looking at so you, you wonder if he he gets you know faster through the process as he starts setting up more trips so i'm curious to see where he takes those visits but there's no doubt that unc going first was a big step for him. I know he was really uh, complimentary about his time on campus. He said he, he had a blast. That was his exact quote uh, while in, in Chapel Hill. So yeah, I think the sooner the better, if you're a Carolina fan here, hey, come, come make a decision coming off this official and, and you see where you're at. And like you said at the top though, easy sell for Carolina coming off of one of their weaker position groups uh, last year. So I think that's important.
0: Yeah, and and as John said, for those of you listening, Ohio State just offered earlier this week officials coming up to South Carolina on June 10th, Rutgers later in June. And so, man, you'd love to snag him uh, before he even takes those visits if you can. That would be a big win. Uh, Let's move along to our our other offensive lineman that we're looking at today, and that's Laith Gannum.
1: Yeah, Ganim, a, a lot lesser known, I think, uh, in the offensive line world. I mean, he's coming from West Virginia, so naturally <laughs> just a little bit harder to to get to relative to D.C. in terms of gaining that exposure. But uh, 6'5", 280 or so, a guy who it can maybe be a swing player. I know we've talked about that. Uh, In the past, you know, he's got some guard and tackle ability, uh, depending on how his frame, you know, fully fills out. And I think that's a good thing. I I know UNC's recruited a few players that have some of that swing uh, O-lineman mentality. So I think that's a good thing uh, for their chances. Again, here, first official visit, really, really smart. He's got a few others uh, in the works. uh, But but what's interesting is he's still camping for offers, uh, and I think that's, that's different compared to Tosin. And I think today, as we record this, he's at Ohio State trying to mm. earn that offer. So <laughs> Ohio State's going to factor into to the O-line recruiting for North Carolina here to a degree. Uh, obviously, uh, with Gantham being a West Virginian, the Mountaineers are in the mix. A couple other schools in the region are in the mix. But it is a little bit more regional than, than the recruitment of, of Tosin. Um, and I think the timeline's a little a bit more fuzzy uh, as well here, because I don't think it's it's very clear at this point. And if you're still camping for offers, you're obviously still open to adding to your plate there. So that could extend the process a little bit uh, before all is said and done. But again, same deal here. You, you got them on campus together. They probably sat in with the offensive line or the offensive coaches uh, together uh, as well for some of these meetings and, and maybe hitting the whiteboard for some X's and O's, um, you know, in in terms of potential development there. So uh, curious how that went in terms of the dynamic between yeah, the yeah. two. Was was it friendly? Was it maybe competitive? That that something maybe uh, for the next show. Uh, but there's no doubt that you know, getting that first official again, we can't emphasize that enough. Heck of a start for the Tar Heels that, and and that's a major position of need.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and we talked about that the the national look for Tosin versus this more regional uh, footprint for Ganem and and Carolina is a little bit. I mean, they're you know they're close-ish to West Virginia, but compared to Virginia Tech and West Virginia, and Ohio State, a little more out of that footprint. When you see that more regional focus, uh, do you, do you think ah we're we're probably a little bit on the outside
1: looking in because of that? I don't think so. Um, okay. You know, it's it, like you said, it dips down into Virginia, which borders North Carolina. So it's not totally outside of the question there. Uh, I, I don't think that's a detractor for UNC, okay. especially with okay. him already taking the visit. Because usually if it is sub-regional, you're like, well, can we get a visit? But that question's already you know, been answered been heavily answered. Yeah. Uh, from cool. Mac Brown's perspective. Yeah. yeah. Love that.
0: Great stuff as always from John Garcia, Jr. Brother, thank you so much for joining us and all your great insights. Appreciate you for having me. Yes, sir. Well, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks again, as always, to John Garcia Jr. for his help and wisdom and insights. Great to have him. You guys, coming up on tomorrow's show, the unofficial six-man of Tar Heel basketball. BDOT is joining me on the show to wrap up the week. It's going to be fantastic. Can't wait for that interview. But for now, I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch of every single day. Please don't forget that we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts. So go subscribe right now. Please don't forget to smash the like button, leave a comment, send an email, lockedontarheels at gmail.com. We'd love to talk with you in that format as well. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Don't forget to give John a follow as well on Twitter. He's always interacting and doing great stuff there. And me on Twitter at Isaac Shade, I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. Now, let me encourage you to make uh, Locked on NBA Big Board podcast your second listen of the day. Rafael Barlow and all the guys give you an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, player rankings, mock drafts, and of course, all the Big Boards content. You can follow Locked On NBA Big Boards every day on the Odyssey app or on YouTube or anywhere else you get podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your Thursday, hanging out with me, talking Carolina football recruiting. Hey, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow,
1: peace!